And welcome back to the Champs Corner podcast featuring Mark Jennings. I'm your host, Drew Champlin. This is the first podcast of 2019. We thank all of our listeners, all 200,000 of you guys, for making 2018 our return to the airwaves. Such a great year. Uh, Today we're going to talk a little bit about the Alabama-Clemson National Championship game. We're going to answer some listener questions but first off, Mark Jennings is, is in San Antonio right now. There's a couple of big events he's going to tell us all about. And uh, let me introduce Mark. Uh, how you doing, buddy? Drew, as always, you know how much I love being on your podcast. I love being in San Antonio right now. I'm currently enjoying a big red soda. Uh, it's really a delicious tasting soda. And I, I love it almost as much as I love being on your podcast. I've been catching these All-American game practices here at the Alamo Dome. It used to be called the U.S. Army All-American Game, but it's not anymore. Hopefully, the U.S. Army is using that money that they're saving by not sponsoring this game to, to build a border wall. But that's neither here nor there. The game's on Saturday. and I'm also looking forward to seeing the Birmingham Iron. They start preseason camp tomorrow in San Antonio, so it's great for me. Uh, I had a lot of influence in putting the preseason camp for the Iron in San Antonio so I could see both these big-time high school players and see uh, the mini camp that starts tomorrow. So I'm really looking forward to it, Drew. It's been a fantastic holiday season for me. Happy New Year to you, Drew. How are you doing? Yeah, Happy New Year to you as well, Mark. I appreciate you uh, uh, making the long trek out to San Antonio. And, uh, you know, I, I we used to make those trips back when I was at AL.com. They would play the Under Armour All-America game in Orlando one week, and then the very next week they would play the San Antonio, the U.S. Army All-America game. So it was really convenient. Now the games uh, not so much they're they're too much closer together. Actually, the U.S. Army the Under Armour game in Orlando was today. This is Thursday, January third that we're recording, and then the Army all or excuse me, just the U.S. Uh, all America game is uh, <clears throat> Saturday in San Antonio. Alabama targets Alabama signees playing in both of these games. But did you have a chance to go to Orlando Market? Do you have anything to report from there? Well, Drew, I didn't go to Orlando. I believe uh, I mentioned this a few years ago. I went to Orlando once, the Under Armour game. It was just a, it was an amateur operation. You see all the influence that people like Tom Luke and Bill have. And I believe Cole Kubelik's out there now playing a big role this year, which makes perfect sense for that, that amateur operation. I, I feel bad for the kids that go there that have to be instructed by people like Cole Kubelik and, and have to listen to people like Tom Luke and Bill because that's really not – what the experience should be about. The experience should be about getting the best opinions and some expert, uh, some experts really teaching you the right technique and teaching you the things that you need to do to excel at the college level. And people like Tom Luganbill clearly don't teach you those things. So uh, I'm disappointed for the kids, really. Uh, every kid I go to and every kid I have influence over, I tell them if they have an opportunity to go to San Antonio, which is really a world-class operation over there at the All-American game. Uh, compared to Orlando, which is like the JV team. Uh, and it makes sense that the JV team you see who runs this, Tom Luganbill. So, uh, you know, and you look at the ESPN ratings, the ESPN ratings are so far off. And I'm telling you this as if I'm some, some know-it-all, Drew, but people like you can even look at the ESPN ratings of players and realize how off they are and how ridiculous they are and see that it doesn't make any sense to go to the Under Armour game. Uh, the only reason that's any prestige at all is because of the power of ESPN and and and. But I think that ESPN's pretty much made it clear to anyone who knows anything how 
how how incompetent they are when it comes to high school recruiting, and that's just evidence by having Tom Luganville having such power. But but that's enough about that, Drew. I, I, I don't like going to Orlando for the Under Armour game. I'm never going to go again as long as Tom Luganville has anything to do with it. All right. Uh, there's so, some of the big-time Alabama signees there in San Antonio. And from what I remember, it seems like the really elite guys would play in San Antonio um, obviously, great collection in Orlando as well. But last time I went, you had Najee Harris, Tua Tungavailoa playing in this. And uh, but uh, <clears throat> this time you got Antonio Alfano, the five-star defensive end out of Colonia, New Jersey. And and I'm reading reports there that he's just absolutely dominating, doing very well. He has signed with Alabama. You got Byron Young, the defensive lineman out of Mississippi, who is committed but has not yet signed. Uh, you also have Trey Sanders, the running back over in San Antonio, the five-star recruit who you're very high on. And then, you know, Evan Neal, is he's uh, one of the elite guys in Orlando. But I know you've seen enough out of Evan Neal. Uh, what are you seeing out of uh, guys like Alfano, Young, and Trey Sanders in San Antonio? Well, they're the reason I'm here, guys like Antonio Alfano and Byron Young at the San Antonio uh, All-America game. Uh, I have uh, Antonio Alfano as my – really my – I have him – as my third best rated player nationally, but it's really a one C uh, to be honest, because there's really not much separation. These top three guys. And then I have Trey Sanders at one B who's also in this game and Evan Neal's at one A. But as you said, I've seen plenty of him. I know what he can do. Plus he's at the Under Armour camp in Orlando. And and, and I hope that uh, he doesn't get so much bad advice that he drops in my rankings because of what happens in Orlando. And I hope he shows up to Alabama camp ready and, having forgotten everything that he's been told in Orlando. But as of right now, I have Evan Neal 1A. But I'm really here to see Antonio Alfano and Trey Sanders. They've really showed out so far, and I've really been impressed by their performance in these practices. And, and I I just think they look fantastic, Drew. And, and I think Alabama fans will be really excited when they get to Tuscaloosa next year. Yeah. And so Byron Young, he's been committed to Alabama for quite a while, since probably around the summertime. So you're looking six, seven, eight months here. But he did not sign. And he has said he's still committed to Alabama, but he does want to take a couple of visits as well. Uh, Who are some other schools uh, that might be getting in the mix here for Byron Young? And does Alabama have anything to worry about here? Well, Drew, I don't know how much attention you paid to the, uh, the economy, but I've lost a lot of wealth over the past uh, month or so. Uh, not anything that I did or any importances that I've made, but my, my portfolio has taken a big hit due to the drop in the stock market. And, and it's, and I'm not the only one that's taken a hit. It's really everybody all over. And a lot of those people have gotten hit and, and lost a lot of money in their 401ks. They also run subscription sites, Drew, and they've got to try to get that money back that they lost in the, in the stock market. And so they're going to turn up the volume on what they do best. And that's, of course, a lot of the consumer. Uh, Mississippi State and LSU subscription sites didn't meet their projected revenues. Ownership's taking some hits because they didn't plan their financially financially plan uh, as best they could. So they're going to be doing all they can to, to sell to sell more subscriptions and, and try to make people think that Byron Young's going to Mississippi State or LSU. But he's not going to Mississippi State or LSU, Drew. Uh, Byron Young's, I believe, still going to sign with Alabama in February. And I'd be pretty shocked if he, he, if he signed somewhere else. All right, and you can watch the All-American Bowl Saturday, January 5th. It is at noon central on NBC in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. And uh, American Family Insurance is now the sponsor of this wonderful event. But before we get to, uh, well, actually kind of 
transitioning a little bit into the other reason you're there with the Birmingham Iron starting their preseason camp in San Antonio. Uh, you went to the Music City Bowl, and that was between Auburn and Purdue. Auburn really thrashed Purdue in the game, but you had a chance to see some future Iron players, I know, because obviously the Iron wants to have plenty of uh, – obviously you guys want to have plenty of in-state tie, or players with in-state ties on the roster. What were some of your impressions from that game? Well, I thought Jarrett Stidham had the best game of his, his Auburn career, to be real honest with you. I don't think it's a coincidence I was able to work with him a couple of days in practices before the game and, and help him out some things that he was struggling with. So it's really not surprising to me that he had such a big game. Uh, but I've been in contact with him and his family, and I'll be honest, I was awesome. I said, I don't think you're going to have much of an NFL career. He's mostly going because he has nothing left to prove in college, and he's already an older guy, and staying next year doesn't help him. Uh, but he's going to go pro this year. He'll probably get drafted by a team in the late rounds, and he'll probably get cut in training camp. And, and I've already in conversation with him and his family about getting him signed with the Iron. And I, I wouldn't be surprised, Drew, if I were a betting man, I would have I would bet I would bet a hefty amount of money that Jared Sims wearing that black and silver uh, this time in 2020, Drew. Yeah, and uh, obviously he wouldn't be with the Iron this coming up season as the season starts uh, in February. That's why but, I said 2020, Drew. Yeah. absolutely but let's talk about some of the guys on the roster and i know you know you don't want some of these other teams finding out much about you guys so uh hopefully you've got some um security uh, over at your san antonio practice sites am i right that's correct drew we're trying to cut down on spies we know how it works in professional football we saw it with spygate so we understand the the risk that you take. So we've taken the, the best security measures we possibly can to ensure that we don't see any outside visitors uh, taking pictures or taking video of our practices. All right. Well, you can go to aaf.com slash Birmingham dash iron slash roster to check out the roster. Some, a lot of familiar faces. You went to the training or the uh, mini camps and you know, you're going to see uh, uh, the preseason workouts, and uh, without giving up too much away, are there are there any guys uh, that are standing out, either passing the eye test or doing well in off season workouts? Any, anybody you want to mention? Well, I can't go into too much detail, Drew. I don't want to do that, and you know, there's some players that listen to the podcast, and I don't want them to to give them any. Uh, ideas or making thinking I'm leaning any other way when to give my suggestions about who to keep uh, on the roster. There are about five or six players I'm really impressed with. One of them I will say is Jonathan Massaquoi, uh played at Troy, drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. Honestly, I think he's a fantastic player, and honestly, he should really still be in the NFL. He got the short straw on that one. I expect him to be the league defensive player of the year. I'm really excited about Leon Brown, the former Alabama player. He's a right guard. He's in fantastic shape. He's really improved his football IQ uh, since the, since 2014 when he played at Alabama. Trent Richardson's on the roster. He's going to be fine. He's a great player as always. I expect Robinson Therese out of Auburn to be a real leader in the secondary. So uh, out of those four guys, though, when you know I got to talk about talk about my special teams guys, Cole Mazza's a long snapper. Uh, I'm really impressed with those guys, Drew, and I expect them to have big seasons for the Iron this year. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about Luis Ortiz. That was you guys' first pick in the quarterback draft. You got Luis Ortiz in the uh, first round, Blake Sims out of Alabama in the second round. What, what do our listeners need to know about Luis Ortiz? Well, Drew, he is a dynamic player. He's a guy who actually gave up football for a little bit out of high school, signed up with the junior college in California, played there for a year, then went on to Texas A&M Commerce. 
uh, D2 school, I believe. You know, I told the management to draft him. The management didn't think that he was ready for big-time football only coming out of Division Two, but I told them they are crazy. I told them all the successful football players in the NFL that didn't come out and go to big-time colleges. But they finally listened to me. He's very good, Drew. I think he's got a chance to be the offensive MVP of the league. What I like about him is his feet and his ability to throw on the run. And he's really – you look at the the quarterbacks in the league and their football intelligence. I, I, I'm hard-pressed to find a guy – a quarterback in the Alliance of American Football who has a better football IQ than Luis Ortiz. And I'm excited about him, Drew. And I'll be honest, I haven't talked about this the whole podcast. I'm proud of myself. Uh, but if you want to go buy your season tickets, you need to do that soon because they're running out. We're selling out fast because you're going to miss seeing talents like Luis Ortiz and Cole Mazza out there and Robinson Terezi out there running around for your Birmingham Iron wearing that black and silver. They're going to make your city proud. You need to go out there and buy those tickets immediately. Uh, but Luis Ortiz, possibly the offensive MVP in the league, and I couldn't imagine uh, having a guy in your town who could be the offensive MVP of the Alliance of American Football not be able to go see him every week because you just didn't feel like buying tickets. That's something you should do immediately, Drew. I don't even know if you bought your season tickets yet, but you need to go buy those ASAP if you haven't. Yeah, I've got a few, and uh, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to the first game of the season, and I know it's against, uh, is it Memphis, I believe? That's that's who it's against. And the first, four of the first five are at home, and let me make sure I say the right date. Yeah. Uh, February 10th against Memphis at 1 o'clock Central Time at beautiful Legion Field. That's a Sunday. Then you got Salt Lake at home on Saturday the 16th uh, at Atlanta on the 24th. So that's a good road game for people to go to. And then, uh, the you know, you got a couple away road games at San Diego, Memphis, Arizona, and Orlando. But it's a, it's a really great schedule. And we've talked so much about long snappers, Mark, and uh, Cole Mazza, the, the four-year starter at Alabama. How much competition uh, was there for that spot? Well, Drew, I personally ran the, the long snapping tryouts. Uh, I really ran the trials for all the special teams players, but uh, long snapping as well. And there are a bunch of guys we tried out. There's another kid at Alabama who never played uh, because Thomas Fletcher is the greatest long snapper in history. That's neither here nor there. But he just graduated, and Thomas Fletcher's still there. But he didn't really pass the eye test, if you know what I mean. Uh, I was going to leave it at that. He didn't pass the eye test. Uh, but Cole Maz is our long snapper, Drew, and he's a guy he's going to. He's a guy that we're going to ride with for the whole season. All right. I think you might have a 15 year career with the Iron, or do you expect this to be a stepping stone uh, to get get into the NFL? Well, I don't know, Drew. You know, every player I think that we we have is, is a potential NFL player, and I I didn't draft a guy, or I didn't have any influence over uh, personnel decisions. I didn't say anything unless I thought they could be in the NFL, and I think every player on our team has, could have could be in the NFL one day. So uh, I like to think that I want what's best for the players, Drew, as a leader. Uh, as a leader of men, as someone who's, a, who's accumulated a bunch of wealth in the business world because of my leadership ability, and, and that really comes back from always doing what's what is best for your personnel. I, I hope he goes out, and I hope he snaps one time for the iron and goes off and makes a bunch of money in the NFL. And then let's all the other players know that you come play for the iron, you can go to the NFL and make a bunch of money too. So it's not much different from what Coach Saban preached at Alabama. That's the type of environment that I want to instill with the Birmingham Iron. That's the type of leadership ability that I have and that I want I want what's best for my players. All right. Shifting gears to basketball, Alabama hosts Kentucky on Saturday at noon on ESPN. But the biggest news there is uh, Trendon Watford, the five-star forward out of Mountain Brook High School, is making his official visit to Alabama this weekend. 
has a Final Four of Alabama, Memphis, LSU, and Indiana. Indiana's where his older brother Christian played for four years a few years ago. But Trenda Watford, a tremendous player. What do you know about Watford this season and where uh, where do you think his head is right now as far as making a decision because he's going to sign in the spring? Well, I don't think you need me to go on this podcast and tell you how a fantastic of a season when Trenton Watford's having. Uh, we saw what he did to the number two team in the country, IMG Academy. Uh, I think it was last week, a couple of weeks ago. You already won uh, Mr. Basketball last year. But I think we all know he's got a Final Four of Alabama, Memphis, LSU, and Indiana. Uh, I think if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm worried the most about LSU. You know, you talk about the great coaches that you want to play for. Uh, you talk about guys like Mike Krzyzewski. You talk about guys like John Calipari. You talk about guys like Will Wade. Now, every top player in the country wants to go play for Will Wade, and they dream forever to go play for Will Wade. And so you really got to look out for LSU here. Uh, Trenton Watford, 6'9", 230 is the way he's listed. Uh, he's really more like 6'8", 220. Uh, I just think he's a fantastic player. He's a do-it-all guy. He can really bang down low for him. He's got a, lot, got a little bit of an outside game to go with it. Uh, I love this kid, Drew. I think he's one of the top players in the country this year. When I watched him play, he reminds me a lot of a guy out of the Midwest, out of the state of Indiana from the mid-2000s. Uh, really amazing how he, got, how he got out of the state of Indiana, went to Carmel High School in Carmel, Indiana, one of the historic programs in the state of Indiana. Left the state, went to Duke, uh, played there for two years, had a pretty successful NBA career. And, of course, I'm talking about Josh McRoberts. Drew, do you remember Josh McRoberts? Is this the same Josh McRoberts who was the MVP of the McDonald's All-America game in 2005? You're right, Drew. Uh, I'm impressed with your memory. Uh, 2005 McDonald's All-American game, uh, MVP of that. Really, uh, I, th- I thought he got held back in college a little bit by the system he was playing in. Uh, but, but that's neither here nor there, and I really think that inhibited his growth as an NBA player. But that's exactly right, Drew. He was the MVP of the McDonald's High School All-American game. All right. The big game coming up Monday night, uh, number two, Clemson at, against number one, Alabama, over at Levi's Stadium in beautiful Santa Clara, California. It's on ESPN. And, uh, you know, one team's going to go 15 0, and that's going to be the first 15 0 team in the playoff era. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that because this is, you know, a lot of people say there might be some Alabama Clemson fatigue, but these are clearly the two best teams in the country. Mark, would you agree with that assessment? I would, Drew. All right. Well, uh, obviously, Alabama has Tua Tungavailoa, finished second in the Heisman. You know, uh, he's back from his ankle injury. He pretty much just tore Oklahoma apart, especially early in the game. Clemson's got a pretty good quarterback as well, Trevor Lawrence, and many people think he could be the number one quarterback in the 2021 NFL draft. Tell us about Trevor Lawrence. I know you've been watching him out of Cartersville, Georgia. He was a teammate of Alabama's Miller Forrestall for, uh, for quite a while. Well, Drew, the first time I saw him, I you know, went to go see him a bunch of times in Carterville's Georgia. He's a big-time player. He's real tall, uh, great vision in the pocket, uh, really a big arm, pretty accurate. I question his ability to move around. Uh, I think if you can pressure him in this game for Alabama, you're going to have a little bit of success. Uh, but the first time I saw him, I thought he looked like a like an elementary school PE coach, if you know what I mean. Uh, didn't look like a, a quarterback, uh, but that's neither here nor there. But I think he's a great player, Drew, and, and you know, and I think I, he's going to give Alabama some trouble in this game. And it's really going to be down to Alabama's defensive front if they can get pressure on him and, and really make a difference. I believe he's 112th in the country in accuracy when he is pressured uh, without a blitz. So you can rush four and get pressure on him. Uh, he can struggle. So it's really going to be up to the Alabama defensive line to really make a statement. 
Yeah. Speaking of the defensive line, where does Alabama rank as far as uh, pressuring the quarterback without uh, on when they're not blitzing? Well, Drew, they're first in the country, Drew. I'm glad, and so that's really going to cause some problems. That's why I brought that up earlier. But yeah, Alabama's number one. Uh, and getting pressure on the quarterback, only rushing four. Uh, that's why, really, why you don't see Alabama blitzing a lot. Uh, and I believe they're going to be able to get pressure. And that's really where the game's going to be decided on the Alabama defensive front, but there's the versus the Clemson offensive line. Can the Clemson offensive line maintain their composure and really keep the Alabama defensive line from getting in the backfield, only rushing four? That's really going to be where the key to the game's going to be. All right. Hey, who did you compare Trevor Lawrence to coming out of high school? Because obviously we never talked about him on the podcast a whole lot uh, since he didn't really consider Alabama. That's a great question, Drew. I compared him to a guy who went on and played to the ACC, had a fantastic career. I want to say he started four years. Uh, he's really out, originally out of the state of California, I believe. That's where he was born. Uh, went on to Florida State. Uh, had a fantastic career at Florida State. I believe started four years. And, of course, I'm talking about Chris Ricks. Do you remember Chris Ricks, Drew? Yeah, I believe uh, first and only four-year starter uh, in Florida State school history, if, if, if we're talking about the same Chris Ricks. That's correct, Drew. I think Chris Ricks had a real disadvantage. He got to Florida State and really had some inferior coaching. Is at the end of the Bobby Bowden era. He is cycling through offensive coordinators. And, and Chris Ricks didn't really have the best coaching. That really hindered his development. But when I saw Trevor Lawrence in high school, he reminded me of Chris Ricks. And I still think it's a fantastic comparison, Drew. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to go on and have a much more successful college and pro career than Chris Ricks did. But coming out of high school, uh, he looks exactly like Chris Ricks, Drew. Yeah, Chris Ricks is a big quarterback as well, tall guy. Hunter Renfro is the guy who Alabama fans love to hate. You see Twitter jokes making fun of Hunter Renfro's age and how long he's been there. He scored, I believe it's four career touchdowns against Alabama and maybe 11 uh, combined against the re- and the rest of his long career. Um, but Clemson has some really, really good receivers, including Amari Rogers, T. Higgins, and then Justin Ross, who had a central Phoenix City, the number one player in the state last year. And he had a huge game against Notre Dame. I think he had around 150 yards and two touchdowns. But who is your Hunter Renfro comparison coming out of high school? Because I believe he walked on to Clemson. Not many people knew about him. He did, Drew. And I, he asked me for advice. He and his family asked for advice when he was coming out of high school, what he should do. He had a bunch of low-level uh, D1, some D2 offers. And I told him he's good enough to play big-time college football. I'm glad they listened to me. Uh, when the first time I compared him out of coming out of high school, I compared him to Steve Smith Sr., do you remember Steve Smith Sr.? Uh, yeah, he's the father of Steve Smith Jr., that Steve Smith. That's correct, Drew. Do you remember Steve Smith Sr., though? Yeah, he played at Utah, maybe? I believe that's correct, Drew. Went on to have a real successful NFL career. And Hunter Renfro's played some pretty good wide receivers, some of Amari Rodgers, T. Higgins, and Justin Ross, who really should be at Alabama, if not for a poor recruiting job that they did. Uh, Alabama let him leave the state. The number one player left the state. That should never happen. Uh, you know, I just think he's a great player. Unlike Steve Smith Sr., uh, I don't think Hunter Renfro's a Mormon uh, but but I don't think that's going to affect his ability to play. But Hunter Renfro is a fantastic player. Uh, I think he's going to have another big game in the, in the championship. You know, he doesn't pile up big stats in the regular season because you don't need your number four wide receiver to make big plays against teams like Pitt or or Wake Forest or or Miami. Uh, 
But you know, I just think he's he, when you're playing against Alabama, you need him to step up, and that's why he's had such a big career. Uh, the Mormon comment before Steve went to Utah and played for the Utes, and that's what that means. And of course, when you go to Utah, you yeah, might become Mormon. That's neither here nor there, Drew. Uh, I think Hunter Renfro is a fantastic player. He's had a fantastic career, and I'm looking forward to see how he does uh, in this final game of his career coming up on Monday night. Yeah, you look at Clemson's defense, they hold Notre Dame to just three points. Uh, some really great defensive linemen, Cleveland Farrell. Um, <clears throat> they lose uh, you know, Christian Wilkins. They lose Dexter Lawrence due, due, due to suspension. He's going to go on to the NFL next year. Trayvon Mullen, cornerbacks, you know, could be drafted high. Uh, what can you tell about Clemson's defense based on, on the Notre Dame game? Well, I think it's pretty hard to tell, to be honest with you. I don't think Ian Book would start for about 80 80- you know, FBS teams, I think, you know, do you rank the quarterbacks 1 to 130? I think he's barely cracking the top 100, to be honest with you. He's a guy who can he can run okay and he can throw okay, but doesn't really do anything well. And he's not going to break you apart and doing anything. And he's a satisfactory. And they got by with him because of Notre Dame's poor competition they were playing. Uh, you know, I think the problem that Notre Dame had and the problem that, that college football, I believe, had is, was, you know, for months in the middle of the season, everyone thought Michigan was good. And that was the first team that Notre Dame beat in the season, but it turned out Michigan's not good at all. And that, of course, makes sense to me and and every other everybody else who knows the game. But uh, congrats, to Notre Dame! They had a great season. They they beat some some you know they won twelve games. I guess so that's that's important. But uh, I, I I don't know if you can really tell anything out of that game. I thought Clemson did what they were supposed to do. They had better athletes, and Notre Dame pretty much quit in the second quarter. Uh, Notre Dame was moving the ball okay a little bit, and they just quit. So I don't know how much you can really tell about that game. Uh, but so I'm looking forward to it. It's definitely by far to be the best team Clemson's played since, since Texas A&M in week two, to be honest with you. Um, so, But we'll we'll talk more about that game later, Drew. But, but yeah, I, I don't think you can really tell a lot about uh, Notre Dame versus Clemson. About Clemson, we're talking about playing Notre Dame. Yeah. So after the game, Alabama's going to lose uh, their offensive coordinator, Mike Loxley, is taking the Maryland head coaching position. And then today, news comes out of the AJC that Brent Key, who has been on the staff since 2015, I believe, 2016 maybe, uh, I think this was the third year on staff, that he's going to go to Georgia Tech, which is where he played and coach under uh, the guy from Temple, Jeff Collins, who came from Temple. Um if Brent Key does, in fact, go to Georgia Tech, and that means Alabama's got two assistant coach spots left on or to fill on offense, that's barring the, if nobody else leaves. Um, do you know who, who might be able to fill those spots? Well, I look at Jody Wright. Uh, I think it's going to be Jody Wright. He was a, is a UAB on the field this fall as an offensive line coach. Uh, I think he's going to join the staff and coach an offensive position. He was a director player personnel at Alabama and has worked many years for Coach Saban and really one of the, the brightest mid-30s minds in the game. Uh, I also look for Coach Saban to hire someone from the NFL this offseason when there's more turnovers. So, uh, I think he's going to want to bring in Jody Wright, the younger guy, bring some fire to the staff, and then bring in a veteran from the NFL. And I think that's the – if I'm thinking what Coach Saban usually does, that's what I expect him to do. Yeah, Jody Wright, I think he spent more than one stint at Alabama, and he coached running backs at UAB in 2014, offensive line last year, associate head coach. So he knows Coach Saban. He big part of Alabama's recruiting success as the director of player personnel over the last few years, but uh, – was able to be an on-field coach this year. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But now we're at the point of the podcast where we take listener questions. We get so many of them every week, and we narrow down a few of them. So apologies if your question did not make the cut. 
Mark, tell everybody how they can find you on Twitter and through email. Well, as always, we get some fantastic questions every week. If you want to find me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at MarkJennings55. That's one word, at MarkJennings55. Or you can find me on email. My email address is markbreaksdownfilm at aol.com. That's one word, markbreaksdownfilm at aol.com. You can find me there. I don't check the emails much anymore because people mostly find me on Twitter, but if you want to email me, that's fine. Uh, But I love hearing your questions every week, and you guys ask some fantastic questions. I'm looking forward to answering them, Drew. All right. We hear from Bradley Funderburg at BSF918. Mark, do you think the plummeting ticket prices to the college football playoff national championship game is a result of fans choosing to save their money for Birmingham Iron tickets? I absolutely do, Drew. You can walk around, you walk around the city of Birmingham and you can just feel the palpable excitement in that city about the Iron and what the Iron are going to do in the Alliance of American Football this year, Drew. And I absolutely think it's taken away from some Alabama fans. A lot of Alabama fans who normally pay a lot of money uh, to go out to California to watch the game. We're going to stay home, and, and they got Birmingham Iron season tickets. So, actually, absolutely, I think the decrease in ticket prices due to Alabama fans not wanting to fly out there to California. Why do that when you can watch the Birmingham Iron play five home games in beautiful Legion Field, Drew? And I absolutely think that's what's going on. All right. I think I think so as well. Bryant Ridgeway at underscore BN Ridgeway. Which of these was a better decision by Nick Saban? To change punters in the middle of this season from Skyler DeLong to Mike Bernier or uh, to change quarterbacks at halftime of the national championship game last year? I can't really comment on which one is better, uh, but I can really comment on, on the tougher decision to make. And obviously the tougher decision to make is to change punters. I don't. It's, it's pretty easy to change quarterbacks, you know. You got a guy who's not moving the offense really well, but it takes an expert coach and really what's knowing what's best for his team to change punters. Uh, you know, you change punters, all of a sudden your punting average goes from 40 to 35. The fans are going to go nuts and they're going to go crazy. So I think it's a much tougher decision to change punters, Drew. I can't really comment on which one is better. That's an excellent question uh, at BN Ridgeway. Thank you very much. All right. We hear from TD, that's at TD445544. Mark, do you have any advice for fans traveling out west on how to interact with the West Coast liberals and hippies? Is it best to just keep your head down and avoid typical overrated liberal media-driven tourist spots such as In-N-Out Burger? Well, i got to disagree with something here on this question. In-N-Out Burger is fantastic. Did he really call In-N-Out Burger? How can a burger joint be over? How can it be liberal? How it's, They sell cheeseburgers, Drew. How can they be liberal? Hey, I don't know. I'm just reading out the questions, Mark. I did, we didn't screen them very well this week. We certainly didn't. Uh, yeah, I don't understand. I, I think In-N-Out Burger is fantastic. You know, Drew, they had the secret menu. And if you're going out to In-N-Out Burger, you got to still have all your options. Honestly, if if I'm choosing, I'm going to In-N-Out Burger for every meal that I'm out there. You know, three meals a day, maybe four if you're getting hungry. Uh, animal style is my favorite part of that secret menu, but everybody has their own choices. So I think In-N-Out Burger is fantastic. And I, for one, don't appreciate people calling a burger place liberal and, and media-driven. I don't understand it, Drew. The other yeah. part about the liberals and hippies, well, yeah, of course, any place west of Mississippi has your liberals and hippies. I mean, go to Louisiana. But 
Uh, I just think that the In-N-Out Burger is fantastic, Drew, and I'm not going to have any more In-N-Out Burger disparagement on the podcast. All right. Well, we'll go to a question from Matthew Pate at Matthew CP8. Mark, what are your opinions on the proposed eight-team playoff? Is the liberal media onto something here or not? Thanks for being the best in the business. Well, I think the answer's staring us right in the face, to be real honest with you. I mean, they're talking about eight teams. Why, why eight? I think they're saying eight because I guess that makes the brackets easier or something. My thoughts are you have ten FBS conferences and you have ten conference champions. Why don't you go let them settle on the field? You've already settled on the field to determine who wins the conference. So why don't you take those conference champions and let them settle on the field? That's so obvious to me. And these, these liberal know-it-alls who run college football who think they know everything can think they can come up with a better solution. you got ten conference champions. Those conference champions, we're not talking the preseason rankings. We're talking about winning the conference on the field of play, and they should have the opportunity to go play for the national championship on the field of play. That seems very obvious to me, and I'll understand why so many liberal media members like yourself, Drew, can't figure it out. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good... Uh... It's a good, good recommendation. Maybe the powers that be will look a little bit harder into that. Um, Drew Smalley, at Drew Smalley. Mark, you gave me a great travel recommendation for Gatlinburg a few months ago. Now I'm taking the family to San Francisco for the national championship game. I've never been, but from what I hear, it is also a fine, wholesome Christian city. Are there any recommendations on things to do in the Bay Area? Well, my favorite thing to do whenever I go in the Bay Area and ever I go to any city, really, I like to ride the subway. It's not really a subway in the Bay Area. It's called BART for Bay Area Rapid Transit. But you can go all over the Bay Area and see all the sites just by staying on the subway. You can go from Oakland. You can go to Berkeley. You can go all the way down to San Jose. You can go everywhere and see all the different airports that they have there and see all the views from your subway. So that's what I was doing. I would just stay and get on that BART. And just ride and ride and ride all day long. That's what I would do. And I think that's really the best way to see uh, the Bay Area is just to ride on the BART. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at things. Um, Cameron Luke Ratliff at Fluffopotamus88. Mark, I know you can't reveal too much direct information from your sources, but could you tell us if you've heard anything about Bruce Pearl taking the UCLA job? As you know, UCLA recently fired Steve Alford. They'll look for a full-time head coach in the offseason. I understand if you can't answer the question. Thanks for all you do. Well, Cameron, again, at Fluffopotamus88, thank you again for the question. And you're right, I can't reveal too much information from my sources. But I will say this, I think I would be absolutely shocked if Bruce Pearl took the UCLA job. I think Auburn's a basketball school now and a much better basketball school than UCLA uh, is and, and maybe ever was to be honest. It'd be like Nick Saban taking the, I don't know the 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 Colorado basketball job. And some of some, I'd be actually shocked. Auburn's a basketball school and they're really a basketball powerhouse. So I don't really see uh, Bruce Pearl leaving leaving one of the big basketball powers in the in the country to go to a, a smaller school like UCLA. All right, Jonathan Kingsford at Elephant Stomp ninety two. He asks. Do you get to see what Coach Saban writes on his notepad during games? Uh, what did he write about Jedrick Wills? And as you know, Wills had a few penalties late in the second quarter. Well, Coach Saban writes down all the penalties on his notepad. That's not a secret, I don't think. I can say that, right? All he's doing is writing yeah. down the penalties. Yeah. That's all he's doing. It's not, it's not, you know, 
Now, he's not writing down the formula on how to split the atom. Man, he's just writing down the penalties. And he goes out and looks at it after the game and and, and takes account of it. I don't think it's anything. I, I could share that. I don't feel I don't feel like I'm breaking anybody's trust by sharing that information. All right. Last question. Uh, Paul T. Graham asks, Mark, could you talk about Clemson's opponents during the year as far as their offensive and defensive rankings nationally and how Clemson's performance translates to a game versus Alabama thanks in advance? Well, Clemson played 11 FBS opponents this year. The first one was against Furman, so I'm not going to count that one. But you go through and look at their offensive. You know, the best team that they played offensive defensively was Texas A&M. Uh, Texas and them with the 15th best offense in the country in the 32-ranked defense, and Clemson came out with a two-point win. Of course, that was week two, and they're going to say, well, that was with, with Kelly Bryant playing quarterback and not Trevor Lawrence. It was also in the second game of, uh, with Jimbo Fisher as a head coach, and Texas and him has improved a lot, as we saw in their bowl game this year over the past over the season. And, and even though Clemson has as well, Texas and a lot better too. And you look at their other wins, the other teams they played, it's hard to get a, a really – uh, look at these these teams they played and really get nervous if you're an Alabama fan. Uh, you go down and you look and see, well, you know, in, in week four, uh, they played the 62nd best offense and 46th ranked defense, and they won by 28. Week five was Syracuse. Syracuse, decent offense this year, 19th ranked offense in the country, 88th ranked defense. The bottom has a power five team. They had one of the bottom uh the, the lower half of defenses in the country, and Clemson squeaked out by four. So, and you look at all their big wins they've had, they haven't played really good teams, you know. I mean, you could look at maybe Pitt, uh, it's Notre Dame, excuse me, uh, you know, 32 offense, 30 defense, one by 27, but I don't know how much you can take out of that. The big conference championship game against Pitt, Pitt had the 98th ranked offense in the country. So, of course, they're going to blow them out. So, I can't really – this is by far – the best team that Clemson's played. The best offense they've played is the 15th best offense in the country, and the best defense they played is Notre Dame. And I don't think anybody's really scared of Notre Dame's defense as really plays in a big-time conference. So um, that's where I'm at with Clemson. I'm looking forward to seeing how the game goes. Uh, I'm, it's really going to be a, a – I think the Clemson players are going to be really uh, – uh, it's going to be a different world for them when they see a team like Alabama. You look at the last three games, to be real honest with you, Drew. Um, the first two games, Clemson had a significant, significant advantage at the quarterback position. And both those games came down to the wire. Split Alabama won the first and Clemson won the second, second one. Clemson had a huge advantage at quarterback. The third game, Clemson didn't have that huge advantage, and Alabama blew them out. And you look at today, the game coming up on Monday – I, 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 yeah, I think Alabama has a quarterback advantage here. And Alabama, I think, is better at that position than Clemson. And you look at what's happened those previous three games I just discussed. It's hard not for me to feel pretty confident about this game if I'm an Alabama fan. So I probably said too much, Drew. You know, I'll even, I'm not even a fan of the college game. I, you know, I know how I am. I love to break down high school film. Uh, but I'm on this podcast for your college listeners, Drew, and college fans. I thought I'd just give them some of my some of the information, my opinion. So I probably talked too long about it, Drew. But that's how I feel about it. I think I feel pretty good about a thousand Alabama fan going to the game on Monday. Yeah, absolutely. And make sure you're riding the BART up and down, uh, up and down the bay uh, before before the game. Uh, that's actually some great information, Mark. And I think that's why a lot of people listen to the podcast. So we will end with that, and uh, we will talk soon. Hopefully next week after Alabama's wrapped up another 
national championship. But Mark, uh, enjoy the rest of your time in San Antonio. I cannot wait to talk more about Birmingham Iron leading up into the the first game. And uh, yeah, appreciate you joining us again. No problem, Drew. I got to go check player curfew right now. Make sure everybody's in their beds and ready for tomorrow, Drew, for the iron. So uh, I'll see you, talk to you very soon. All right. And to everybody who listens, thank you so much.